0: Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a second generation jazz artist who is currently based in New York City, Tony Davis. everybody. Welcome to Improv Exchange. How you doing, man? You good?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Feeling all right.
0: Okay. Can you introduce yourself to the people?
1: Yes, of course. I'm Tony Davis. Uh, I am a guitarist based in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I've been in New York for about three years, uh, and I come from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, I am the son of of a pretty well-renowned jazz trombonist named Steve Davis. And my mother, Mary DePala is a very well-known pianist. So um, I've had the great fortune of growing up around some of the greatest jazz musicians in the world my whole life. Um, I've kind of been surrounded by it since day one, which I'm forever grateful for. Uh, but I didn't pick up the guitar until I was about 14. and those first four years I played, all I wanted to hear or listen to was Jimi Hendrix and blues guitar. And that's all I played like. Um, and I still go back to that, of course. But yeah, so I didn't really start getting serious about jazz music and, uh, you know, gigging and practicing until I was about 18. And um, then I went to the Hart School of Music in Hartford, um, the Jackie McLean Institute of Jazz. Again, I had the great fortune of uh, meeting and knowing Jackie McLean as a kid and hearing him. And um, of course, my dad was in his band for a long time. Um, So I studied there for four years under the tutelage of Nat Reeves, Steve Davis, my dad, um, Javon Jackson, Abraham Burton, Eric McPherson, just to name a few. of that very, oh, Renee McLean, of course, Jackie's son. Uh, And then from there, pretty much as soon as I graduated, I moved to New York where I just continued my musical pursuits as a performer. Um, I had already kind of been playing in the city once in a while with people like Mike Ledon, his organ night at Smoke Jazz Club. um. And going to smalls a bunch. So, fortunately, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't totally diving in the deep end when I came to New York. I knew a decent amount of musicians. Um, and then, about six, four, no, four or five months after I moved here, I pursued my master's degree in music at the City College of New York, um, which is directed by the great Steve Wilson. Um, And that was kind of a full circle moment because uh, I remember meeting Steve when I was a little kid, being on the tour bus with my dad when both of them were playing in Chick Corea's Origin back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So Steve and I became close. um, And yeah, so I finished up my master's degree this past December. I... uh, also had great fortune of studying with absolute masters like Steve, Peter Bernstein, Paul Ballenbeck. Um, very lucky. So I finished that up, uh, just in time before school became an online thing for obvious reasons. And, um, since then, you know, I've just been performing and I had recorded my debut album. Uh, I was signed by the well-known jazz label, Positone. And, uh, recorded my album this past fall. Um, It's set to be released in about three weeks. And um, it features an amazing cast of musicians who are all family, friends, heroes, teachers to me, each and every one of them. Um, Eric McPherson on drums, again, who I had been studying with in Hartford. Uh, Desron Douglas on bass. I've known Desron since I was a kid. My dad is featured on a couple tracks, uh, as is Steve Wilson. Um, The great David Bryant is playing piano, one of my favorite pianists who lives right near me here in Brooklyn. And he's from Brooklyn. And uh, one of my dear friends, Alina Njibarian, she's a fantastic vocalist. who I've become very close with since I moved to New York and we perform a lot together. We have a duo thing that we do. Um, JK Kim, another very talented up and coming drummer is featured on the two tracks that Alina is on. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm very excited uh, about despite the, the current circumstances of the world. Um, I'm excited about, uh, the things that I've been able to accomplish thus far. And uh, as we as a society continue to fight to keep getting the positive change that we need, I'm looking forward
0: to where things are going. Okay, now, like I said, that's one hell of an introduction. Mm -hmm. And these family legacies of jazz, you're like the second person so far. Benny was on, three generations deep. Uh You're two generations, and... When it's your father and your mother, I must say that's a different level of stress you probably go through. <laughs> does your father, overall, for the most part, enjoy the album.
1: Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. Uh, I think he's very proud and he's happy to have contributed to it. And um, yeah, you know, it's a special day. Not only um, that moment, you know, recording a debut record with my dad, who's you know. Uh, He's been helping me (laughs) for a very long time, both musically and just as a person. And um, it was also special, though, just to be surrounded by so many old and familiar faces. It's like a family affair, really.
0: Did he encourage you to meet the album or?
1: Uh, No, actually. Well, I mean, yeah, he had been telling me for a while, you know, suggesting, I think you're ready, uh, and just sort of like putting it in my ear. But really, it was Positone, the label that had heard about me and sort of reached out to me and really pushed to make it happen. Um, And I had done a record date for Positone uh, a few months prior. Um, It was sort of a collaborative thing that they put together, which is called Works For Me, Reach Within. And uh, it features uh, Alexa Tarantino, who I know you just interviewed. And I think the idea was to feature a lot of up-and-coming musicians. Uh, So we each contributed some of our own original compositions to the record date. And afterwards, the producers at Positone approached me and said they would love for me to do one on my own. So a few months later, that's just what I did.
0: Wow. And like I said, when you have somebody like that who is saying you're ready, you're obviously ready. So.
1: For sure. Let's go, let's take go into
0: at least the college world because you were at the same university as your father. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I love your father's music. And when I was doing my albums, he was the person I tried to base the trombone rhythmic stuff on or try to write for my trombonist mm, because he's a lead. And you don't really see that many lead trombonists nowadays. So going to the university, how is that different from the real world right now?
1: Oh, it's extremely different if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, you know, I always I guess not so much at the time when I was in school. It sort of hits you when, you know, after the fact when it's time to jump into real life, you know, especially okay, I'm going to be a jazz musician. What does that mean now in I graduated there from 2017. So what does that mean in 2017 to be a jazz musician? This is how I'm going to make a living. And even someone like me who literally is the child of two? Uh, well, my mom sort of over time began teaching more in public schools, but still music. But either way, you know, I grew up literally seeing uh, professional jazz musicians raising a family that I was a part of. Even with that experience, uh, I still felt such a disconnect when I left undergrad school. And how do I apply? Uh, this to make a living, you know, there's a a big difference between, I learned uh, a tremendous great deal about the music and the history, the lineage, uh, how to play, um, and all that goes hand in hand with how to be a good person too, you know, Um, but I think one problem, and I think this is just a problem sort of across the board from what I can tell with my peers, at all the programs, is that there's just not enough emphasis nowadays on what it means to be your own manager. Uh, you know, we don't leave college with a uh, jazz music degree and then get signed and have a manager. And uh, it's not like that. You know, you have to you have to make all the moves. You have to uh, do all the things that it takes to make a living playing music and I just don't uh that's the one thing that I really wish there was more of is just you know this is a business you're a business how do you sell your business um and for me uh that didn't really come until I just sort of dove into it and got here to New York and was like okay wow I really gotta gotta make this happen um but of course, not that's not to knock any of the actual musical aspects of everything that I learned in college. I can't uh, yeah, I can't replace okay. that.
0: I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is you're a student in the jazz world, right? Yep. You have these role models at home. Mm-hmm. You have like I should say the cream of the crop. It, also I believe your father played with Christmas Pride. Yeah. So he's playing with last generation, the current generation, mm-hmm. you're in the school world, you come into the jazz world, mm-hmm. and nothing hit you right away? Like, wow? Oh, no, a lot hit me right away. Uh, so what's one of them? Yeah.
1: Well, I guess, no, the the reality is just, um, okay, how, it's, it's not all fun and games, really. Like, we go to school, uh, sort of with this idea of who do you check out and you learn how to play like these people. And it's just sort of the whole thing that sort of gets skipped across is how do I get gigs? What do I do? How do I record? How do I sell myself? um, But, you know, remain authentic. How all these little things, teaching, how, um, how should I promote my teaching abilities and sell that and create a market in that? Um, And these are all things that, as I'm saying, I was sort of ignorant to even growing up with my dad. I just never even, I guess it was sort of like the thing where as a kid, your parents have their jobs and you kind of just think of it like, okay, that's what mom and dad do. Cool. Like whether they're a lawyer or whatever, uh, businessman, businesswoman, jazz musician. I just didn't really think about it so much until it became a true reality for myself, which honestly wasn't until... I left the undergrad and really went to live on my own, trying
0: to do this. Okay. So, what is something else that you misunderstood about the music world?
1: Um, hmm. let me see.
0: You went into the gig part. You went into. You didn't really pay attention because that's mom and daddy's world, and mm-hmm. you were just there. So, right now, you just recorded the album. You have it coming out. What is something that made you go? I never considered that.
1: Uh, I mean, I think it's definitely changed with time, but the, the financial aspect of it, you know, even just making my first record, uh, I, you know, people nowadays, almost everyone up and coming musicians are put in the position where they need to put out their own record. Uh, it's not like they have people paying for it, paying for the musicians, paying for the engineering, all this, all these things. Um, and yeah, it's just the math of it all really was kind of a wow moment for me like you know, I'm here in New York, I'm I'm actually doing pretty well in terms of how much I'm gigging, but how much are these gigs really paying? And then I start to think how much are even the the bigger gigs, the so-called like big time gigs like at the Village Vanguard or uh, any of the big Blue Note, you know, any of these clubs, how much are they even really paying? And then how does that add up with what it means to really afford this? Afford to make your own music, because as I said, everyone kind of has to do it all on their own nowadays, uh, for the most part. And it was kind of that was a big wow moment for me, like sort of piecing it together in my head, like wow, so uh, this isn't doesn't seem like it's adding up, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And since you're literally like fresh out of college, uh, what is something that you notice recently about the music scene or you and your father or your mother have noticed versus how it was back then? Um,
1: it's interesting. Uh, well, obviously it's changed quite a bit as of late, but I, I noticed a lot of the clickiness or I don't know, like trendiness that seems to be going on. And um it's It just sort of seems a little all over the place to me. Um, as someone who's just entering this world, uh, I don't feel like a sense of direction, maybe in the way that a lot of these this business is functioning. And uh, it seems like there's often a big emphasis on uh, it's an interesting blend of like an emphasis on keeping the older, more distinguished musicians on top. Um, and it it can be quite difficult, I think, as a younger musician to sort of squeeze your way into the mix and be taken seriously. Um, but, you know, that being said, there is a great long tradition of this music where that, and that's just part of the process, you know? So there's a fine line With that. Um, So, and the other thing that I noticed is that the school thing, you know, it's such a huge part of this music now. It's literally funding so many of uh, the professional jazz musicians in the scene today. You know, they're all working at these schools, which is great. It's giving them a living. Uh, But the schools is almost the scene now, uh, which is kind of weird to me Um, because now you're getting a Huge production of very talented music students entering a uh, constantly shrinking scene, sort of. And it, that's another thing that doesn't seem to quite add up, uh, you know, especially here in New York. You really see it with each like, year going by.
0: You see it. You see the clubs closing. You mm-hmm. see the markets shrinking, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that's something even I saw in I question. So you have the best teaching in universities, which really questioned, made me question the music world out there. Mm -hmm. And like you said, now you're super qualified, you're well-trained, you're well-knowledgeable, and like you said, there are no gigs.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And if there are gigs, you're you're getting paid $25?
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah, that's...
1: It doesn't add up. Oftentimes, it does not add up, which is frustrating.
0: So off that, where do you think music will be in 10 years? Jazz music, I should say.
1: Uh, well, you know, there's a big, it seems there's a big trend now to sort of cross-pollinate jazz music. Well, you know, first of all, jazz is such a malleable term now, um, but, you know, you a lot of people are realizing you have to be willing to uh, take your jazz music and kind of put it in a different context if you want to make this work, whether that's a more hip hop R&B context, um, or electronic music, um, or I'm hearing even more of like a, I don't know, indie folk route that a lot of people are taking, just to make it work. And you know, I I love all those forms of music too. Like you love it too, Um, but it seems harder and harder for, you know, if straight ahead jazz to make it work, especially considering the things we were just saying. You know, there's so many of these talented up and coming jazz musicians who technically know what they're doing, but they don't have the outlets to make it happen, and they don't also have, I don't think, the proper knowledge leaving school to prepare them for the current state of the jazz world, which is not the state that they're studying, you know, we're in jazz school studying the lives of all of our heroes, John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Charlie Parker. And then later on, Herbie Hancock to Korea, you get even to like the nineties where you had Mark Turner, Kurt Rosenwinkel, Brad Meldau. Even that scene was way more uh, doable in a way than the one that they're entering now in 2020. So uh, it's tough to say also with like, this pandemic and the way that, you know, we're all seeing the possibility in live stream and online teaching. Uh I, I don't know about a lot of the scene, you know, because the, all these clubs were already struggling. And now after this, I can't even imagine how difficult it is for them to see uh, a future.
0: Unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know if, Half of these places are going to recover after this. But let's get back to your album, okay? Mm-hmm. My favorite song on there is your sixth track. And I believe it's pronounced, what is it? Shinya? Shinya. Sinha. Yeah. Senia. Wow, butch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all good. But yes, that's. I always love Asanova music. I love Brazilian music. And the fact that you did such a good tributation of it. Yes. Wow, thank you. Appreciate that. So what is your future projects going to go off? Is it going to go in this direction? Is, do you want to experiment more?
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of experimenting. Um I think the most the thing that I'm most grateful for since coming to New York is my exposure to so many different types of incredible music firsthand. Like really seeing it and hearing it in person has changed me and my Perspective again on what it means to be a musician um, I th- you're simply you're sleeping and uh, missing out if you don't go out of your way to try to check out as much of music as possible. And when I really started to fall in love with Brazilian music, it changed my world and the way that I perceive harmony and melody and uh, no matter what the context you know it's just great music um, so I definitely. I can guarantee you that I'll be playing or paying tribute to Brazilian music for the foreseeable future. Um, I would like to do more uh, with an, an actual Brazilian vocalist, maybe for the next, the next go around, whenever that may be. Um, but yeah, Brazilian music is one of the facets of music that I've really fallen in love with over the past few years.
0: Okay. And what other track on your album stood out the most to you? Uh, let's, well, when you heard the mastering and it was done.
1: Uh, well, the I believe it's the 10th track. Lake Sabago is a tune of mine that I um, had Alina sing the lyrics to. And that just stands out the most to me because I think... For future projects, that's definitely one that's really on my mind is focusing more on uh, my lyric writing and I love the way Alina sings and interprets my music. Um, And I've played a bunch of her music. I think we have similar uh, concepts, which is always a great feeling to find someone who shares that. So. That one really stood out to me. Like, wow, yeah, this is something I really like. This I want to explore this more. Um, it's still very much jazz, you know. This <laughs> that's a jazz song, but um, to me, it it feels a little beyond that plane of a label, you know.
0: Understood. And how does it feel to be recording with your father? Was that awkward at all?
1: Uh. No, it's it feels talk about similar concepts. That's something that's always eye opening. Every time I play with my dad, I know I think we both notice it more. Uh, but you know, I heard him practicing the horn my whole life, so when we play together, it's like uh, that's kind of another level. I can, it's it's almost like telepathic sometimes. So that's per that's one of the reasons why when we did Konalma, uh, we decided to have no piano because i love to accompany for my dad and i know he feels the same way it's we can kind of reach some cool things together um so no not too awkward but uh back when hartford and other instances when i was you know still very much getting it together my dad hired me on a lot of gigs that i definitely wasn't ready for at the time um which i'm forever grateful for you know that's how you get better but there's definitely been plenty of uh you know, get some cold looks or hard love on the bandstand, but it's all, f- it's all for the music and it's all out of love. So I, uh, yeah.
0: Okay. So if you could remove all the barriers and constraints, what type of project would you do, and who would you want on it?
1: Uh for the next thing, I would definitely like. I was saying, I want to, I think, do something with or do more with Alina, and really focus on creating all. T- tracks that have vocals and focus on the poetry of the lyrics and um, try to explore more some like more through composed concepts and uh, have songs really explore different terrains throughout each track. Um, I would also like to be able to have the capacity to not record all in one session and be able to go back and Add layers and really explore sounds that way, um, you know, using more acoustic guitars, uh, using more effects. I used some effects on my debut album, um, but that's something that I like exploring with more. And I think I could uh, properly address that more in a future record. So, yeah, I would really like to just be, I guess, more experimental is the best term.
0: Okay. Yeah. And what is the best compliment you ever received?
1: Oh, man. That's a tough one. Well, I've had people, I I can't give you an exact source off the top of my head, but I, one that I've definitely gotten before is that uh, you sound like you've been doing this for a while or like I'm playing older than my age, and that definitely means a lot to me because... Just living in New York for a few years, I can see how much life can improve your playing. You know, we're always practicing, so that's always a constant improvement. But it's really the the life you live that I think uh, you really hear in all these masters. You hear their life and their experiences when they play. So when I have uh, an older musician who I admire tell me something like that, that really speaks volumes to me because um, I, I haven't lived as much as many of my favorite musicians. So that means a lot. That seems special.
0: OK. Well, like I said, you're young. Well, younger than me, which i <laughs> uh, yeah. And you still have a lot to go. Yes. I was expecting big things, oh, hopefully within you. the next 40 to 60 plus years, OK, man?
1: <laughs> yes. so No guarantees,
0: but I appreciate that. <laughs> so before you go. Mm-hmm. We normally like to give a shout out and show our respects to the artists who came before us. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you an instrument and two artists. Choose one and tell us why, okay? Okay. On trumpet, Dizzy Gillespie or Lee Morgan?
1: Okay, well, I got to go with Lee Morgan. Um, I, As a kid, I, my dad used to drive around with uh, Tomcat playing all the time. And you know, that had McCoy Tyner, Art Blakey, Curtis Fuller, just like incredible band. And that song Tomcat and then there's another song called Twice Around on that record. That as a kid I used to listen to it like crazy and it just blew me away. Um, although we played a Dizzy Gillespie composition on the record, I gotta say Lee Morgan there.
0: Okay. On saxophones, Stan gas or cannonball?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Cannonball. Um, his, uh, what record? is? It? His record called Them Dirty Blues. Uh, when I was first learning the song Janine, um, there's he has an incredible take on that tune. And that's one that really stuck out with me. And um, yeah, I've just always really admired his musicality and way of phrasing and tone. It's um, Cannonball, for sure. Okay
0: on um, bass. Stanley Clark or Christian McBride?
1: Christian McBride. Uh, I've met Christian a few times. I've actually played with him once. Um, he's just, uh, to this day, probably my favorite bass player in the world right now. Um, his His humbleness is incredible considering how incredibly talented he is on the bass playing things that I've never heard any other bassist come close to playing um, so like that really blows me away is that he's st- even considering what he's capable of doing on the bass which is incredible he's the most humble guy and uh, he you can t- still tell he's first and foremost about the beat and making sure everything's feeling good and um, I really admire that about him Okay,
0: and I got stories of Christian, even though I don't know if he remembers me. But yeah, <laughs> so on keys, Bill Evans or Sergio Mendez.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Uh. Well, I love Sergio Mendez's music, although I didn't discover it till recently. But I gotta say, Bill Evans, uh, to me, at least right now, is the bigger influence there. Um, you know, listening to Bill Evans on a ballad. Uh, or in general, but really on a ballad and the way he treats that and really um, uses space and doesn't rush. He takes his time and his touch and sound, all these little intricacies in Bill Evans' is playing is uh, really amazing to me and something that I'm always trying to better myself, you know, really focusing on the melody and just the beauty of chords and, um, the beauty of space and sound. I think Bill Evans is a master of that.
0: Okay. So on drums, Milton Banana or Max Roach?
1: Gotta go Max Roach. Uh I'm a huge diehard Bebop guy. Um I always go back to Bebop and Max Roach's drumming. Uh that's just kind of the epitome of jazz to me, the phrasing and the power and the drive and um, And also, you know his uh, he was fearless and um, he used his music and his the power in his music um, for fighting for change and a lot of the stuff, like the records that he made with Abby Lincoln and, you know, pretty relevant still to this day. Um, I really admire what he did and what he contributed. And, um, yeah, I just really, I feel the pain and the power and the fearlessness
0: in his playing. Okay. On drums, Wes Montgomery or Jim Hall?
1: Gotta go west. Wes. Um, I'm actually wearing a Wes Montgomery Indie Jazz Fest shirt. I played there a few years ago, West Montgomery Tribute Festival. And um, I actually got to meet his uh, wife and one of his kids. And um, yeah, Wes, you know, that's kind of the, his music is the holy bible of jazz guitar. Um, You have Charlie Kristen, and then Wes, and then George Benson. That's, yeah, I think Wes is just uh, undeniably probably the most important jazz guitarist. Not that Tim Hall isn't, but I think Wes really completely changed everything.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, one other thing. I forgot to ask you, my mistake. No worries. Why did you name it Golden Years?
1: Yeah, so that's, yeah, I'm glad you asked because, uh, well, first of all, it was recorded in the fall of 2019. Um Earlier that summer, I had turned 25 on June 25th. So I'm actually turning 26 in just a few days. But um, so I turned 25 on the 25th of the month. And when that happens, it's known as a golden birthday. And um, the record day also fell. Uh, I was, you know, just finishing up my master's degree. Um, it was my first record day as a leader. I was really starting to. Get some bigger gigs here in New York, playing with some really well-known musicians, and you know, overall, on a personal level, it was just feeling like a, a golden year in this, in a sense. And I just liked the way that that sounded as uh, an introductory album instead of you know introducing Tony Davis. Um, and then obviously we jumped to 2020, and it's been anything but a golden year to. At least that's what most would probably think. But, you know, in a way, I'm still kind of looking at it like that because uh, we're really seeing some amazing things happen despite all the tragedy and, um, you know, anger and confusion that's going on. Uh, we're seeing the power of that people really have when they unite and change is possible and it's happening. And uh, I think it'll keep happening if we keep fighting for what's right in the world and learning from you know, everything that's going on. So I think 2020 could still possibly be the golden year in history if we treat it right.
0: Well said, man. Okay, so could you tell the people where to find you, your website, your social media, et cetera?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, my website is TonyDavisMusic.com. And then on social media, you can also find me on Facebook with that. Um, Instagram, it's Tony Davis music. Uh, and yeah, you can find, you can pre-order or order a hard copy of the CD. Now the actual album will be released on July 17th on all the streaming platforms. But, um, yeah, if you go to my website, you can find ways to do that and learn more about me and see a bunch of nice pictures of me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, everyone. So this is Leander Young with Improv Exchange. <laughs> Thank you and have a good night. Thank you, Lander. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.